0: Real Hawks.
1: To another episode of Jackman Radio. Very excited tonight. We have a special guest, uh, a friend of mine uh, going back uh, over 14 years now, uh, Mr. Mike McCarthy. Mike, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Really pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you here, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah,
2: thank you for having me.
1: And as joined as always, Eric. Yeah, hey everybody. Episode 31 of Jackman Radio. Excited to have Mike McCarthy in town and uh, we're going to talk about your music and your background and... A uh, whole bunch of stuff, some current events and uh, everything. How you doing uh, there, Oswald? Oswald's good. He's with us manning the uh, the booth. He's, he's over in the booth. He just saluted. Yeah, he's in the booth. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that is a song uh, called Green Grasshopper off of Michael McCarthy's new effort, Migrant. And uh, that's a cool little tune there, Mike. And little sample there for our listeners and at the end of the show we're going to play another song in its entirety and we'll, we'll let you decide which one you want to do but uh... Um, mike is a musician who travels all over the united states and outside the united states and he's up here in new hampshire for a little a spell doing a few shows around the area um, i have the uh, honor of being able to play a show this saturday uh, january second with mike at harlow's pub in peterborough new hampshire hope all of our local friends will uh... Come check that out. It's uh, eight dollars at the door, and we kick things off at eight p.m. Yeah, people will want to get there early. That place yeah, fills up quick. There should yeah. The capacity is around ninety, and I have a feeling there's going to be a good sized crowd. There I think we're Saturday. going to have a good turnout. So, so Mike, what do you, what have you been up to, man? What's going on? I mean, uh, what uh, what's the latest? Yeah, bring what? us through twenty fifteen. Sure.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for asking. So, uh, twenty fifteen started for me uh, in Austin, Texas. Um, I uh, moved to Austin uh, back at the beginning of 2014, actually, uh, and I lived there for about a year and a half. Um, and I, you know, I, it's one of my favorite places in the world, um, just a heck of a music city. And it was a place where I just got to meet some really incredible people um, and have some really gratifying professional experiences. Getting to go on uh, Austin's NPR affiliate, KUTX, uh, get on the radio uh, you know, I mean, it's not quite the level of getting on the Jackman's <laughs> podcast, but it's, it's something anyway. It's, it's close. It's got to v- start it, somewhere. It, you got to start, you, you know, you ramp upward. Yes. That's what leading you
1: to this moment. That's awesome.
2: I'm getting to play some shows during South by Southwest and having some of those sort of Hallmark Austin music experiences that were great. Um, but also I, I think I kind of, uh, a big theme of the year has been kind of g- getting back to my roots a little bit. And, um, you know, it's so meaningful to me to get to spend time here in New Hampshire, but also, I guess, really, my introduction to life in the South was by way of Florida, and so I moved back to Florida uh, this summer. I'm uh, I've been living in Pensacola, out on the okay. Panhandle, about a half hour from Alabama. Wow! And so I've been um, working uh, there uh, in in the, sort of the string of cities there on Gulf Coast, Florida. You know, Pensacola. Destin, Sandestin, and then get to some extent getting over to Alabama and Louisiana for shows, and positionally I'm there on I-10, kind of, I guess about halfway in between Jacksonville and Houston. So I, all over the corridor. Yeah, exactly. So I've been uh, playing locally and doing some touring as well in the southeast, and that's really been really been pretty good. But I, so I like I said, I've been in Pensacola since June. Um, been working on this uh, this album that you mentioned, Migrant, um, and I think the album name kind of reflects a little bit about what my life has been in the last year or two of just moving around a lot, collecting sounds from different places, and getting to share them. Yeah, uh, with I friends to... old and new. And,
1: and yeah, I wanted to mention that it's, uh, it's interesting because you're you're an Irishman who uh, grew up in New Hampshire, but wasn't born in New Hampshire, who's now living in the South. So that geography kind of informs your sound. What are some of the other influences that kind of inform your sound and, and, and uh, you know, the, the narrative you're trying to tell with your music.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Uh, so, I mean, in the intro song we heard there, uh, Green Grasshopper, there's a instrument that sounds a lot like a mandolin. Uh, that's the charango, which is a Bolivian instrument. Uh, I spent the first couple of years of my life, two or three years of my life living in Bolivia. Um, my parents uh, were living in uh, Colombia at the time when I was born. And so some of those South American uh, musical influences were there from the beginning. Uh, Growing up here in New Hampshire, uh, you know, I was listening to rock radio, of course, growing up. Um, uh, And as time went on, you know, you you grow into adulthood and you figure out kind of what's your favorite stuff. But as you're, you know, you're developing, you you listen to what's in your environment. I feel like New England is very much uh, in the classic rock world. Yeah. And so uh, coming up, you know, listening to bands like Leonard Skinner and the Allman Brothers growing up, uh, and, you know, Creedence, Clearwater, these all these bands that were really referencing the sounds and stories of the South. And so a lot of the last decade of my life uh, has been uh, spent in the southeastern United States and kind of gathering those sounds. Um, so I've really had the, the privilege of uh, being able to collect sort of some country influences from Texas and Delta blues influences, uh, from, you know, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, that whole life. And then the Florida sound, which I guess you could call, you know, sort of that post Dwayne Allman, uh, world uh, is something that really called my name early on. And so, um, I'm excited because I feel that like this album has given me an opportunity to to blend sounds from these different places that have have touched my life. And what I'm really hoping to do is create uh, a northern sound. Um, and you know, as the the man at the at the helm of of Northern Stone, you know what sort of alchemy I'm after, don't you? Northern rock. Yes, yeah. Northern, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because Northern Stone, um, our, our our guitarist and singer Mike, has a lot of the same influence as you have uh and he has the the muscle shoals uh sound that kind of reverberates through him it's interesting you know he's from connecticut but he loves a lot of the southern rock the, the skinnerd um allman brothers and uh yeah it's
2: uh i think that music it, speaks to people because it feels like american roots and when, no matter where in america you grow up you want to feel like you're connected to your roots you yeah, want to your, feel like some your sense community of ownership. yeah yeah
1: that's why do you, you see that show sonic highways that dave grohl did
2: no, Where but he, I've heard about it.
1: Oh, it's a really cool project. He went to different cities in the country and explored the music scene in that city and went back and recorded the new Foo Fighter song and recorded a new Foo Fighter song, song in each city with a special musical icon from that city. And uh, that kind of reminds <laughs> me of that because it, it, you know, musicians do live kind of a transient lifestyle, you know, kind of always on the road or always moving or looking for new ideas and inspiration you know, wherever they go.
2: Well, that's right. And I get that musical inspiration. And also, uh, you know, the, the name of the album Migrant in some sense also reflects inspiration I drew from uh, my interactions with the migrant farm worker community. I, I worked for a time for uh, a foundation called the Harvest of Hope Foundation for Migrant Farm Workers. Uh, I also worked for the uh, state of Florida's migrant education program. And uh, it was just for basically about six months. But in that time, I just got to pull back the curtain a little bit on on the the reality for what is estimated to be anywhere between three and four million people who uh, harvest our fruits and vegetables here in the United States and lead shadow lives often. Most often, you know, without social security numbers, bank accounts, driver's licenses, uh, medical insurance. And when you get right down to it, you know, access to legal protection and that sort of thing. So really, I think the migrant story is a big part of the story of of America, old and new. And so um, it's an honor to me, I guess, to participate in a greater story of, of people traveling for work. Being on the road for work—that's what you got to do. You got to go where the crops are.
1: Right, and um, obviously, listening to your music, a lot of thought goes into the words you write and the um, makeup of your songs. I mean, talk a little bit about that process when you're writing a song. I mean, are you kind of just gathering memories from on the road and past experiences, and then trying to put it into, a, you know, a linear story for a song?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, really, at the heart of it. Uh, I mean, I mean, it starts with a riff, right? I mean, it starts with um, just kind of chewing on the instrument and seeing seeing what comes out and what sounds all right. And when you get a you know, when you get a riff moving that sounds pretty good, you know that really the heart of the song is going to live in the melody. And so, uh, for me, I, it, it's been a journey to figure out what's the most direct path to, to sort of my melodic mind. I, I realized at a certain point that um, that whistling. Actually, in some ways, is the the purest musical instrument. I mean, I, like I can improvise all right on a, on a guitar, but uh, y- you know, I I can whistle like Miles Davis. You know. <laughs> uh, so
1: you have a sound or, or uh, you know a riff in your mind, you whistle it out, and you develop from there.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's like it's kind of like the riff is sort of the, uh, you know, maybe the you know sort of the chassis, right? But mm-hmm. then really, uh, the melody is the engine behind it that's um, sort of driving the whole thing forward. And and once you have your melody, the other things fall into place. But as far as the lyrics, uh, you know, I had a good friend who once said to me, um, and this is sort of, a, it wasn't just his idea, I mean, this is something he got from studying poetry, but he said, show, don't tell. So instead of saying, you know, oh, uh, you know, there was a man and he was walking down the road and he had a basketball, you know, Talk about uh, don't you know? Don't do all that explicitly. Talk about uh, the sound of footsteps on pavement. Talk about the the sound of pang pang of the ball the hitting sound the, ball the ground. Breaks. Yeah, you know. So it, I, I think sometimes in order to tell a story to keep it universal and not have it too sort of involved in your own story, <clears throat> you want to look at it kind of sideways and and give people images and let them draw their own conclusions. Cause then they can put their own story into what you're saying. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be about Michael McCarthy, lit or <laughs> well, they, really telling my can color story it in themselves. And you yeah. kind of
1: provide Relate the landscape it. for them to color in. That's, that's right. Cool.
2: Yeah. That's the idea. And I, I you know, a lot of my, I feel like I'm, I'm always on some level trying to tell a story of the world.
1: Yeah. I think all, you know, any great song and all great music tries to do that, you know, and have something that's relatable, you know, and, um, it's uh, interesting. Uh, last night we went and saw our uh, uh, governor, John Kasich, from Ohio, mm-hmm. who's running for president uh, for the GOP nomination. And, you know, when Eric and I go to political events, we like to ask serious questions or, or ask questions the mainstream media doesn't usually ask or uh, report on. Uh, that's the chicken in the oven uh, uh, humming, by the way, in the back. Yeah, we I'll grab some that. We have teriyaki chicken going, folks. We, we do have to eat. Um, but anyways, we saw John Kasich, and I. Uh, after the event I got to, you know, talk with him for a minute, and instead of asking him a policy question or something really too serious, um, <clears throat> I just said, hey, you know, you're the governor of Ohio, you reign over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, what do you think about the Moody Blues and Electric Light Orchestra not being in the Hall of Fame? And uh, he was like, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's crazy, I mean, I, I, I would, uh, I'm very surprised the Moody Blues are not in the Hall of Fame, and I was lobbying for Russia. He didn't say anything about ELO? Oh, no, he did, he did okay, get okay. to ELO, so, he, so that's what he said about the Moody's, and he said, I lobbied to get Rush in there and they they I helped law- I don't know how I don't know how involved he was with getting Rush in there but Rush did get in there in the last couple years mm-hmm. and then he said Electric Light Orchestra he said oh Jeff Lynne is a genius the, the guy from ELO the, the genius behind ELO uh, I'm surprised he's not in there and I would love to see him in there so we we just kind of had like a you know a regular moment between two music fans at that point and I, I didn't you know I, we've asked a lot of tough questions of a lot of the candidates and I just felt like I wanted to you know, have it be a little lighter, you know? That's
2: neat. Well, I, I'll say uh, any Republican who's hip to ELO. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? Jeff Lynn by name? Can't be that bad.
1: Well, there's, of course, the stories of John Kasich being fired from uh, uh, Reagan's campaign in the 70s by Roger Stone for selling pot. So <laughs> oh, he's, he's obviously, his music's informed. That's good. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's hip when it comes to that. We don't agree on much, but we, we agree that we want electric light orchestra and the Moody Blues and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Well, just earlier today, someone said hello, and I don't know why, but I, I went, hello, how are you? Have you been all right <laughs> through all those lonely, 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 lonely oh, you stop. Nice. That's
1: what I'd say. I'll tell you everything. Did you have a flashback to <laughs> Billy Madison? Off? How could I not? <sighs> I, I was pretty mean to you in high school, and I, I just wanted to call and apologize, you know? And so, when he puts on the that, lipstick uh, and, yeah, and yeah, lies we, he back and right. smiles. Maybe he we can get right. coffee sometime or something. He's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. He puts the lipstick on, and he crosses his name off the hit list. Yeah. No, that's forget, forget Boardwalk
2: Empire. I'm pretty sure that was the high point of Steve Buscemi's career, right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, that was. I'm glad I called that guy when he shoots the guy in the ass at the end. I mean, <laughs> you have to but, love that.
2: Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. That's case. what I,
1: you know, that's what I wanted to ask Casey, because I, I saw Jeb Bush earlier this year. I asked him a really heavy question about, um, you know, confiscating flight school records from where the, the 9/11 hijackers trained, and he didn't like that very much. And we've asked. Uh, you know, Governor Christie, some tough questions we've asked. Uh, uh, who uh, ran? Well, we, you know, we're always polite. That's the, that's the thing. You know, the thing about politics that's missing from politics, man. Politics, civility. I think you can disagree with someone, you know, even in your own family or whatever, but you can still be civil, be decent. I mean, H- Hannibal Lecter is a cannibal, but he he values you know civility. He doesn't yeah, like manners. rudeness. He, yeah. he eats the rude. You he know? eats he, people who are rude. He doesn't like rude people. So, and
2: you know, I agree with you. Although still in the balance, I think I'm an like anti Hannibal.
1: Oh yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm just I'm just bringing that up because we're but re-binging. he
2: is a, amongst serial killers. He is a class act. Oh
3: he hell is, yeah, yeah. Styles and impetuous. He has
1: his own you know code like Dexter. And uh, I, I bring Hannibal up because we're, we're binge watching season three of Hannibal. Which
2: do you dream much, Mike?
1: <laughs> you know, he didn't blink at all. When he, when he shot that, Anthony Hopkins, the first Silence of the Lance. Mike would know that. Not yeah. only that, he only had no 14... He had, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had 14 minutes of screen time, and that's the shortest amount of screen time for any actor who won Best uh, Actor for the Academy Award. A little bit of useless trivia for you.
2: Well, any more time on screen, I think we'd all uh,
1: be... You spoiled your appetite. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, we've been binging on that. Sweet so, that meets. was a cool event. I mean, Eric and I go to uh, as many political events as we can. And Sunday, we're hoping to go see Hillary Clinton uh, up in Keene, who I think, unfortunately, will be the Democratic nominee. I'd rather see Bernie get it. but uh, Me, too. Know.
2: But America's not ready for Bernie.
1: They will be eventually, though, I think.
2: I, th- I actually think America's desperately, desperately ready for Bernie, but they just don't know you it. You
1: know what yet. I think Bernie's doing, Mike? He's, he's putting the tea on the links for Elizabeth Warren next time around. Interesting. That's what's going
3: on.
2: I I will say that he has elevated the dialogue. Oh yeah. In a major way and I think he's going to uh really bring the best out of Hillary Clinton because I think otherwise she'd really oh. uh, hedge her bets and stay middle of the road and she needs somebody like Bernie with his earwax and hair wings and Yeah, we were we were talking just, about it earlier. Uh, yeah, I I mean I, and is just you know northeastern impatience.
1: Yeah, he, don't I, I don't have that. time. I don't have time for vanity. We have to talk about these real issues. <laughs> I don't have time for hair gel and pressed clothing.
2: Uh, you know, I, I've heard people who are, you know, patently uh, apolitical, and people from the other side of the aisle uh, stand up for Bernie because he's no BS. And i yeah, and boy. But that's something I think any of us can stand by. I mean,
1: I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, him not being a puppet of the military-industrial complex. You know that really, for me, when I'm picking a candidate, um, I publicly endorsed Rand Paul for uh, the primary. I'm plan on voting for him if he's in it. Mm. Till then, but you know what I respect a lot about Bernie Sanders is kind of the same thing I respect a lot about Ron Paul, who mm. I worked for last time around. He's his own guy. He's independent. He's not afraid to go counter. Um, to the tide you know he'll go against it if he believes what's right and he's he's not afraid to be the lone voice of reason and sanity and we need more people like that in the process and um, agreed Bernie I think you hit the nail on the head man He he's elevated the conversation and he's brought up issues that just quite frankly otherwise wouldn't be talked about
2: yeah and I just love his like like old northeastern man's impatience with things that don't make sense
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know. He doesn't have time to talk about it. And you know what a lot of people don't know about Bernie, man, when he was mayor of Burlington, he worked with the Republicans. He was very pragmatic and lobbying that, you know, socialist, you know, big government, uh just tax everything moniker at him just doesn't stick. If you actually look at what he's done and his career governing and running a uh, big city, well not well, I guess relatively big, but running Burlington and having to work with people who don't agree on what day it is and actually getting things done that's very impressive
2: yeah I and have to we agree we need that
1: in our politics man we need people who can get along and put aside petty BS for enough the,
2: for the damn emails for,
1: Hillary you know what I'm tired of your damn emails that was great that was a great moment Great yeah
2: moment. yeah and I, how class act of him to to sorta of give her the alley-oop there
1: yeah. He did give her the, he's the mean, He He's the adult in the room at that point. He is the adult in the room, and he didn't use any of that, any of that at all in his campaign. He's, I think he's done what he said he's going to do. He's running a campaign on ideas, not smears and attacks. He's just been himself. You've got to respect that, man, no I matter where you're coming from politically.
2: Now, I, I will say, though, my older brother made a point the other day, and I, and, and I, I think this is worth considering. Do you know that Bernie Sanders' net worth... His total net worth is around three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I was just looking That's at that it? today, man. Yeah, three hundred. That means that between he and his wife, yeah, really, they are worth three hundred thousand dollars. Now, don't get me wrong; that is a great indicator to me potentially of what kind of man he is. But I mean, how is a person who's running for president of the United States? I mean. There are public school teachers out there who are worth more than
1: that, <laughs> right? It's and, true. That, and his, his wife was the head of a college, a president of a college, I think, or something. Or does he? I mean, I like, mean he's got his Senate salary, right? I mean, I mean, he
2: that, he owns a a house, you, you know. Well, Ospect- it's just it's presumably just, maybe he doesn't. It's just writes. obvious
1: he hasn't leveraged his position of power. For monetary gain, like so and many, so many that's, queer politicians. That's do. very refreshing. That is, yeah, it is refreshing, and I think you're right, Eric. I think he's gonna he's, he's gonna pull Hillary to the left, and I think that's gonna be a strong consideration for who she picks as her running mate. She, oh man, she's, she's gonna have to go with someone, I think. Yeah, who's... well,
3: not only that, man. Hillary bought
1: and paid for by Wall Street, government sacks paying her half a million dollars for speeches, man. I mean, what she's a she...
3: political professional.
1: Yeah, she is, and she's a hawk too. She's a she hawk. is very she hawk hawkish. for the Iraq War, as we all know. Yeah, she's a, she's a militarist, you know. And it's interesting in New Hampshire um, because the independent or undeclared voter, as they're called by the press and the pundits, um, you know, makes up nearly forty-five percent of New Hampshire's state. It's registered that, voters that's that. why they're all up here that's why they're in our backyard hey we're independents they're in our fridge I'm a registered I'm a registered. registered I'm Jeffrey. I, dude I voted for Green Party I voted Republican I, voted I like how you, you say
2: as they say undeclared because it's like no I declared <laughs> right Yeah. I'm independent I'm independent exactly. yeah, yeah
1: don't, exactly. don't call me undeclared I'm independent exactly
2: I man it takes it and it would take a New Englander to explain that concept to the <laughs> exactly. world wouldn't it Exactly. Be like, uh, win independent win. Yeah. is a declaration. Like, while well, y'all were like hanging out down in Texas. Like, you know. Yeah, like, what's the deal? <laughs> it's like right. Ventura. We we're I'm starting not, a country for everybody.
3: I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I'm independent. So you know, his, the body is, Ventura.
1: Historically, yeah, the candidate with the highest level of support um, from partisans, you know, really extreme left or right wing, which we're seeing with, uh, like, Donald Trump or, um, you know, the left wing with Bernie, wins the primary. So, you know, someone like Bernie and someone like Trump, I think, too he could, that each of them could win the New Hampshire primary. Bernie might pull out the primary, but with the share of undeclared voters is at an all time high and it's rising. Uh, we're nearing the day where the whims of the undeclared voter may prove very decisive. So I think people are kind of rejecting the two party moniker in a lot of ways. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, I think that's I think a great you know, thing. and that's another, so, another thing about Bernie, man. He's operated outside of that. You know, been an independent. Well, he is an his independent. Days as a member of the House of Representatives and caucuses mostly with the Democrats, but still can say I'm an independent and I don't have to follow you guys blindly and I love that and I'm happy to see Trump smash the Republican party cuz they they needed something I mean yeah they uh, definitely needed He's to be not going to be the next president okay that's not going to happen I don't even think he's going to be the nominee but he he has he has he's going to leave the Republican party in shambles and if there's one I good, do
2: really appreciate him doing that <laughs> if there's one good thing for what he I th- really th- appreciate to come out of what he's showing... been doing
1: it's that <laughs> You
2: know? Yeah. yeah. pretty much every time he says something about how, you know, we need to hire space aliens to come shoot all the Mexicans or something, you know. <laughs> I am just like, Thanks, buddy, for helping
1: yep, helping really uh, showing, show your party's showing ass showing
3: the the, the the true colors and the stripes. No, we're gonna that. use the technology Mike from Independence Day to round up all the illegals and it's gonna be tremendous. <laughs> and we're gonna do very well. We're gonna shoot that blue shit out of the spaceship and it's gonna create a net and it'll be able to identify if it's an illegal or not and it's gonna be huge. Perfect. So uh, this is our last episode of
1: 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I do it for everyone, Mike. You did not just shoot that blue shit at me. I do, that. I do the Trump for everyone, man. Eric an icebreaker, Mike. Eric goes in and out of the Trump character daily. Yeah. And we, we went to our Christmas, uh, our family Christmas party. We hadn't seen some relatives in a year, two years. He launches into Trump within ten minutes. Ice broken. Everyone's pouring a drink. It's just you. You gotta have the derisive, uh, excuse me, derisive raised lip. I think yeah, that's no, huge. That's, that's very important. You raise Mike. your lip because you're just
2: disgusted with quite this honestly, weak Mike, World in front of you. Nobody
3: own. does Trump better than I do, and you got to squint your eyes. You got to kind of go a little bit you squinty, it. There it and is. you kind of you just gonna say, "I have many billions, Mike. I've employed thousands. I built a tremendous company. We're gonna make America so great." You know, you got to, and the hands are important. Yeah, so. the,
1: the hand motions. Yeah, right. The, the sideways <laughs> quivering. It's almost like he's getting
3: shocked. <laughs> <laughs> But I, w- I will say, Mike, this is the most fun I've had in a presidential oh,
1: election, yeah. without ever. a doubt. And I've been involved in all of them since '04.
2: Dear God, just please, for one reason or another, please let there be an instance of uh, Trump and Bernie having a, a conversation. Oh, that would you know, be great. On national Could you imagine? Yeah, I just would love. I mean, to see Bernie, you,
3: your looks are a disaster. Who does your hair? Helen Keller. I mean, by the looks of it, it's just a complete disaster. Bernie would be like, how dare you, Donald, you billionaire oligarch, you know? <laughs> that would be, that'd be better than a
1: paper.
2: Yeah, film. and you'd be like, Trump, who does your hair? The muskrat that was shot before yeah. it landed on top of your head? I'll have
3: you know, Mike, that I've killed more than 10 Cecil of the lions, and I took their mane, and that's what you're looking at right here. <laughs> it's gold. I have a very nice Vietnamese woman named Lao who does my hair. She does a tremendous job. She came here, but she came here illegally, and She's tremendous. You know? well,
2: I, boy, I think we're ready to solve the world's problems. Oh, so, shit, I want y'all for president.
1: Hey, ten? <laughs> yeah, years, what? Five? Five years? I'll be running. For all am saying y'all again. now. Right? Here, yeah. Like Twain going hey, on hey, here. Hey, roots. Roots. Hey, you man. know. So, 2015 is coming to an end. Uh, You know, I know it's kind of cheesy, but are there? Do you guys have any New Year's resolutions or anything that you really want to push for in 2016 that you're looking at? Eric, you, you do go do you, first. What do you? Think? Well, I I ke- need a man to
2: come up with some BS.
1: I want to continue. um Even though this, during the holidays, I broke my paleo diet. Are you familiar with paleo, Mike? Uh, I am, yes. I've been eating paleo since uh, October 13th, and I've lost 31 pounds, so. Wow.
2: I I feel really good. And there are less delicious ways to do it, for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And you don't have to go hungry on paleo. So, I think for New Year's, man, I just want to keep doing that and and stay on that and, uh, you know, continue to eat eat healthy and uh, get my weight in check and, uh, you know, just, just help my health and feel better and keep the podcast going. And, uh, you know, finish my master's degree in education to become a teacher. That's those are, those are the three big things. Those are some good lofty goals right there. I'm very close. I'm very close to all of them. Very close. What about you, Mike? Yeah, same thing. I mean, I've, I haven't been doing the paleo as long as Eric, and certainly the holidays have been a little trying. Bumpy. But uh, I'm not quite down 30, but around 25. And uh, I just feel better, and I want to continue to do that. Um, you know, I want to make my health great again. And uh, continue with the podcast <laughs> and the music and, you know, just usher in another year. We're going to be 30 next year. So you start thinking about things when you hit 30, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's... I mean, you, you, right? You just turned 30 a year. Well, yeah, you
2: know? I'm I'm th- even deeper in than that. I'm 31. Right. um He's committed. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, as far as resolutions for next year, well, um, for the coming year, I guess one of my... Th- this last year was the... Uh, I don't plan to do anything for work other than music uh, that's in great. 2016. That's great. And you mentioned and earlier, res- you're doing res- res- this full-time. Yeah, now. I want this to talk, talk about
1: now. that a little bit more in the next half. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to touch yeah, on that. But
2: Yeah, I guess that's uh, just a real uh, commitment, unhesitating commitment to my music and, and just uh, only working in music. That's That's what I will do. This year.
1: That's beautiful. That's awesome. man. Well, the fire is roaring, which needs to be stoked, and we're coming up on our second half of the last episode of 2015 for Jackman Radio. So we're going to take the chicken out of the oven and pour another beer. So don't go anywhere.
0: You blushing bride, all flushed with pride. Your new man standing by your side. Don't you know you can't marry me? I see that look that you got before. They sell it at the Hallmark store. Don't you know that you can't marry me away? I'll come to you while dreaming of a sunny, distant day. Lying next to him and bed at night. I'll come to you in the darkness and I'll be your secret shame. And I'll be gone when you turn on the light sure looks well well i hope you will i'm getting better can't you tell i've got a girl she says she's here to stay i told her just like i told you i'll love you if you want me to but you know it said somewhere before true love is worth fighting for well if that's the case then i suppose that i should stay well i won't expect that much of you unless of course you want me to but then you'll have to marry me away
1: more erotic undertones and overtones of that really good really really good welcome back to uh, more Jackman Radio we're going to try and get the the crackling of the fire first fire of the season let's see if we can hear it yep there it it was Uh, I just thought you know having Mike in studio we got our first major snowfall Um, it would be nice to have a fire you know I think it just really set the mood, Mike.
2: Yeah, it sure has. And yeah. it, the mood was set even further by your reflections on the homoerotic undertones of that music.
1: <sighs> oh, the fire rises! Yeah, oh yeah. No, that, that, that music was inspired by Elton John. Here and we want to have uh, Michael play us, uh, one of his songs off his new album, Migrant. But before we get to that, i, I got to talk about this news story. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Did you guys hear about the Catholic priest who was uh, scolded for riding the hoverboard during church service? No I did not. No, okay. This is this is this is great stuff. Father Albert San Jose of Our Lady of Miraculous Metal Parish, that's M E D A L, not metal, like Lemmy, rest in peace, Lemmy by the oh, way. Yeah. Rest in peace. Like the Pink Floyd album. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Was suspended by his diocese after a video emerged of him riding a hoverboard scooter during mass in the Philippines. Dude, that's kinda psyched. <laughs> You guys got to see this video. (laughs) Is he in the full garb? He's in the full garb going up and down the aisle, you know, between the pews and the crowds cheering for him and they're loving it. Someone captured it clandestinely on their phone or something and loaded it on YouTube and Uh. the thing went totally viral. Dude, but that's that's like that's good. That's good coverage for the Catholic well, Church. Well, yeah, though. I mean, this is a cool story. A Catholic priest who rode a hoverboard scooter during Christmas Eve mass in the Philippines has fallen foul of his diocese, which suspended Father Albert for attempting to get attention of the people in a personal manner. The priest has apologized for the incident, which was recorded. San Jose became something of a viral hit <laughs> after the video was posted online of him riding a self-balancing flat scooter through the aisles singing May the Good Lord Bless and Keep You to the congregation which applauded his performance at the Church of Our Lady in Miraculous Metal Parish in Binion, south of Benilla. Am I pronouncing that right? Binyon. Um, so the diocese said that they focused on the requirements of celebrating Mass not the potential safety hazards posed by the hoverboard scooter um, when they scolded them, which uh, major airlines have banned these devices. And they're not really hoverboards. They remind me of those toys in the 90s that had like the board with the ball it's underneath it. It's like a it. Segway without a handle,
3: yeah. basically. Right. Did
1: you guys see the video of Mike Tyson riding one and just dumping it? No, I wish I had. Dude, it's like... He he hits that ground hard, man. It, that's, it's, you bring that up, Mike. That's viral right now. If you go on YouTube later, type in Mike Tyson hoverboard. He's a like, fl-
3: I'm going a, I'm to a ride this hoverboard, man. This thing's pretty cool. Look at this. Look at this. Boom. Goes right out from under his
1: feet, dude. He goes flat on his ass. Oh. That was worse than any punch I ever took in the boxing ring. A Doc Brown better invent some better shit than this. <laughs> so, in conclusion of this story, uh, the priest does have supporters. I count myself as one of them. I, I, so. think, I think that's a great thing. I think it's innovative. I think it's progressive. I think it's redemptive. I think it's, <laughs> it supports science. You know, it's, it's great. Um, but the supporters of the priest have urged the diocese to reconsider. Uh, one woman on a Facebook page dubbed, Bring the Priest Back, said, I support him and I'm not even Catholic. So it's a great little end-of-the-year story. And Well, <laughs> it wouldn't
2: be the first time that uh, the Catholic Church, uh, you know, punished members of its clergy for being above the board, so.
1: <laughs> Seriously, man. Right, yeah, yeah being above the board. Dude, we need the Pope to weigh in on this shit. Yeah. The Pope yeah. needs to make a statement and come out and support like, the Pope, th- the Pope needs to freaking get a viral video of him going through the Vatican. You know, <laughs> on a hoverboard? On a hoverboard. I think the, get I the think guy fully reinstated. The Vatican needs to support priests to use a hoverboard and support marriage. Priests to marry. Those are my progressive ideas for 2016 for the Catholic Church. Maybe he'll do it. Hey, you never know. So I, know. I mean, we come. Our families are very Catholic. I mean, obviously we're not, but uh, yeah, lot, our, they're all saying. I'm
2: really, a recovering Catholic myself.
1: Exactly. They're all saying really good things about the new pope. I mean, I guess you know he's he's uh, gone where no pope has gone before, so our, to speak. Our, our, my parents were both raised Catholic, and that that uh, certainly had its where, own Latin America. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah <he's laughs> I from, love uh, him down there. Isn't
1: he from Argentina?
2: Yeah. Just saying, you said he's gone
1: somewhere where oh, he's gone. oh, no pope's gone before, but. He, shh. Mike McCarthy will be here all night, folks. So we want to get into uh, one of your songs off of the new album, "Migrant." Uh, we, we actually, Mike is going to play something live in the studio with his guitar. And uh, Mike, why don't you tell us about the song you're going to play and uh, a little, uh, a little ditty for us?
2: All right, gladly. So <clears throat> this song is called "Leave Your Porch Light On." Um, And, uh, this is one that, like I I was telling you before, it sort of started with the riff. Um, and, uh, but it didn't really come into focus till the, till the melody came through. And, uh, I guess generally this song is about, I guess you could say it's about love and commitment. Um, it's also just about, uh, that idea, you know, when you're out there on the road, uh, There's a comfort to knowing that even when you ain't there, you know, somebody's left the porch light on for you when you come home. Beautiful.
0: Your cake, but you let them eat it too. Look for some while you dress for rain, arms against your window pane. Sleep don't come that easy and rest don't come at all Won't you leave your porch at home? I've been counting headlights on the interstate too long. Won't you leave your porch light on? Don't know when I'll make it home. Oh, but when I do, I'll come running home to you. you underneath that tree and said won't you help me know you I'll find love on the way but love is just a game we play hate is love that lost its way nothing is forever nothing stays the same so
1: Hey, 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 hey. Nice. That's been great, man. Beautiful, man. Wow. Thank so you. much heart and soul behind that. Oh, thanks. thanks. The so fact hate? that's an original composition. I mean hate is love that's lost its way. Right? Yeah. What a cool line, man. You. Thanks for picking
2: that out. I, that's how I really feel, I man. Whenever you see someone who's really got a lot of hate in them, it's uh which seems to seems to come from love. misdirected love.
1: Love has lost its way. Wow. That's great, man. What a cool song.
2: Thanks. Yeah, my voice is a little a little froggy there, but... Uh, but
1: kind of fine to me, man.
2: As my roommate would say, hey, that's real. Yeah, that's, hey, real. that's, that's no real,
1: real. No waddle-tuning there. Yeah, hey, <laughs> no waddle-tuning, you know? None of that stuff going on. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> that's awesome.
2: Well, thanks, Phyllis.
1: So, how, how is your reception with playing your original music, uh, you know, down in Florida and all the other places you are? I mean, what kind of reception do you get from people?
2: Um, I mean, overwhelmingly, it's... Uh, really positive I mean I, you know I, I try to sing uh, a universal song I mean I, I play American roots music and so I feel like a lot of what I'm doing is um, giving tribute to the people who came before me and, uh, and blending regional roots music styles uh, so that people hear something that sounds like home to them when they hear me sing. Um, and it's important to me that my what the, I'm not just telling my story, but I'm telling other people's stories. Uh, that's something I think about a lot, and I think that um, it's really valuable to me to be able to connect with people I don't know through my music. So I'm always hoping, I mean, to me, in a way, the ideal condition is to have someone who sort of, you know, has never heard me before and maybe he's kind of sitting there with arms crossed just uh, needing to be convinced and for me to, to come to come meet them both in terms of the, the sound of the riff and the, to- the story i'm telling and i love it if there's a, a line that sticks out like that one did to you you know
1: it did man I, um, yeah i mean it,
2: so i try to articulate some clear right. ideas yeah and i i noticed too and i feel like this is true with me too i think this is just how attention spans work and, and here's the whole greater message, but you also realize that the way attention spans work, maybe people only tune in for a minute. So in a way, any given line needs to be able to stand on its own and be a microcosm of the greater idea of the song. And so, yeah, like I guess what I'm saying is, for me, it's important that the heart of the song could live in one line, you know? And they might only tune in at the best part, best part of the song, the best sounding part, or the catchiest part. So when that happens, you want to give them a line in each part of the song, that if you know, if they tune in, they're going to get a sense of what you're doing, and then and then they might be focused on something else, you know, ch- checking their phone or talking to their friend or having a beer or whatever. You know, you, <laughs> you can't expect people to always just be sitting there in rapt attention listening the whole time. So
1: right, the entire night just transfixed captive new, audience. As to- a musician, you you have a fantasy of that. And I, I know I know exactly what you're saying you know because uh, when you look out into the crowd you know and you see people on your on their phones or having a conversation with with someone you're you're like maybe I'm not reaching them you know maybe you know but something does always stick it does I I,
2: and I feel honored to integrate with people's lives I mean like if they give me some of their attention and I see that some of their attention is somewhere else in a way it makes it all the more sweet when they do pay attention and on the other end too uh, it can I mean. If you do play a listening room show where people are just sitting, sitting and, and just looking directly at you, like that's there's an honor to that, but it's also somewhat agonizing Microscope. to have people just stare at your physical Analyzing. self while you tell the story of what your life is, and it's it's really intimate. I mean, it is. there are times I'm on stage and I'm like, <clears throat> did I sign up for this to have people like look at my look at me and yeah, I, listen to my inner thoughts it's i feel like, stiff
1: right now i need to i
2: like music through. i don't like you know uh, necessarily being under the microscope but that's part of what you sign up for and that's the that's gift true. you give a little bit and i in the interest of you know being realistic and and and, and, and some humility. I mean, it's just uh, m- your music doesn't always connect with everybody. Sometimes people don't get it. I've yeah. had times. I'll, oh,
1: absolutely. And, yeah. t- and
2: then there's a, r- a crowd reading thing, too. There have been times I'll go into, a, uh, you know, a situation where they want party music and I start singing about my emotions or something. And people don't care because they're here to, uh, there to have some beers and take it easy. So then you realize, hey, you know, maybe this isn't about my story. It's about providing a sound for people to celebrate, too. So it's always a give and take with, you know. That is very true. And, and, and
1: listener, sometimes the audience just wants escapism, and uh, right. whether it's watching a movie or seeing a band that you love. I know when I went to see uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys last summer with my dad. For me, that was because of the familiarity with the songs. Right. You know, for me growing up, it was basically escapism for a night. But it was all. It was also what Brian, you know, Wilson was trying to say as as a as an artist. You know when he was so young writing these songs, but more more so it was like an, it was like Americana is like nostalgia for a time that I did, that wasn't even alive for, but it was escapism.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And right. And if he decided as an artist to shirk all of that and to spend the whole night telling some, you know, topical to him, uh, you know, very personal story and in a very sort of obscure musically dense way. Uh, I mean, there's, Art to that, but at the same time, there's humility to him getting up there and being like, Yeah, you know, I know you're here to listen to me uh, sing Dude, the Barbara hits. Ann,
1: yeah, play the hits, yeah, yeah. and, and so
2: I, I think that's an important thing as a performer. And I, you know, a lot of what I do is I mean, I, is playing other people's music, and I, I'm comfortable with that. I mean, like, I love my music, I play my original music whenever I can, but also there are times that. A lot of times that my job is to go into a place and give people something they recognize and give them something that lets them feel like I know that I get that that's oh, me yeah. that's my culture I I know that I can sing along to this song and so there's a humility to 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 performing when you understand that it's a shared experience it's mm. not just about going up and telling your you know little artistic story about your life you know
1: right commanding everyone's attention all night
2: yeah maybe it's about giving something back and letting yourself be in the background so it can go in. It can go in both ways. I, I feel proud to have honed the craft of being like. I mean, you could put me in rural Texas, uh, around a bunch of you know very conservative religious folks, and I believe I could give them a show. You that can they connect enjoy. with them. And then dude, you, could, you would speak yeah. to them. You can connect with them, and, and I could do that. And then you could put me up with, with a bunch of uh, a you know, urban hippies in the Northeast or something. Up and in Brattleboro, which too.
1: You're gonna to be in Brattleboro, Vermont. Well, that's right. Friday night, Mike. Tell us about that. Thanks
2: for that segue. Yeah, <laughs> I am gonna be. Uh, playing at uh metropolis bar in brattleboro vermont on uh friday the 1st of january 2016 and then i'll be playing the next night at harlow's pub in Peterborough, new hampshire on the 2nd of january which is also my little brother's birthday
1: Really? That's Luke's birthday? Yeah. He's got to be, is. what, 27, 28? 28. 28, 28 years old. Luke year McCarthy. Hey, notes. shout out to Luke McCarthy. You're a beautiful man. You're going to Wharton. It's a very fine school. <laughs> You've done very well, and I'm very proud of you.
2: <laughs> well, I'm proud of him, too.
1: And that's that's another thing, Mike. You mentioned uh, Brian Wilson. Um, is a great way to connect generations. And we, go to, we went to a lot of those shows with our father, and he landed in California from Newfoundland, Canada in 1965. And that was the height of the Beach Boys, you know, the surf music and all that, and it's kind of just really an amazing and mind-blowing experience to see someone like Brian Wilson or the Beach Boys, who was singing to your father when he was a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy. Yeah, to share that with him. And to share that with him. It's kind of kind of hard to, to describe. It kind of gives you the chills.
2: It does. I, oh, I, yeah. You know, I, for for me, it was like growing up, my dad was always spinning the Grateful Dead and you know, the Grateful Dead—they play country and folk and blues music. And back in that day, you know when you're a kid—pardon me for burping. Seltzer, you, we all do it. You seltzer, you know. <laughs> um, when you're a kid, you don't really distinguish between different artists, and you have no way of knowing what's old and what's kind of old and what's really old and what's—it's new. all new to you. Yeah, exactly. To you. Or, or perhaps it's all old to you, right? It's all stuff that happened before you did, right? Right. So, in listening to the Grateful Dead growing up, I remember thinking, like, oh, you know, I did not really realizing that these were this is like a you know some hippies in California like reappropriating the sounds of country and blues. To me, that was just country and blues music. But as I grew up uh, into an adult and was listening to you know the Grateful Dead in, in more depth, I realized, man, my dad really did me a solid. Uh, playing that stuff around the house so yeah a lot of the music we love it, it does come down to family and for me American Roots music it has a lot to do and the reason I spend I've I've this is my life's work playing American Roots music is that for me and there are different things you can get out of music right I mean some people want to have music be a thing where they're making a new sound that sounds like the light the sound of the modern age and and thinking of everything as sort of this new frontier but for me this whole other side of music has to do with tradition and family and, and connecting to those who who built the world that, you know, was in place on the day you were born.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's uh, same with us with our dad. He played, obviously, the Beatles, the Moody Blues, uh, Dylan, the Who. He played all that for us when we were, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old kids. And that has a huge part in determining the kind of uh, taste that you'll have and develop as a as a man. So... Definitely props to the, to the fathers out there, man, playing the good music. In fact, really,
2: is there anything that your dad could have done to show you his world? I mean, maybe he could have showed you some books or something like that. But really, to show you the culture of the world he grew up in, it's, it's through music that we learn how, how our parents lived.
1: It was through music, and it was on the ice, playing hockey with the old man. because he's discovering Mom and Dad's uh, vinyl John Lennon records. Like, yeah. The first time I heard Imagine was on vinyl.
2: That's the way it ought to I be. I mean, for that everybody. was that
1: I remember it to this day. I was in, you know, down in Ashland, Massachusetts, in the first house we lived in, and I was probably uh I don't know, eight eight years old or something. And I my parents had a copy of Shaved Fish by the Plastic Ono Band. And Imagine. I heard that on vinyl. And uh the smell of the vinyl, the the old record player. I mean every it's still it's all there and yep. I cite that as, you know, one of the one of the things that really got me interested in music and and really shaped the uh, a lot of the you know who i am today it's crazy how you identify music with dates and time periods and events in your life but when you think back to it you know music has uh always been there there's always a radio on somewhere in the background whether it's in the car or at a job site or even at school or wherever music's always been there so. it's, the,
2: it's the soundtrack of our lives it's a link to the past and, and yeah that, and that's a That's a particularly beautiful story, Mike, uh, of of coming across (laughs) Imagine in such a way. To to hear Imagine on vinyl at the age of eight in your parents' home, everyone should be so lucky. And
1: for me, really, my favorite Beatles song still to this day, my dad bought me the Beatles 67 to 70 double blue album on on CD. He bought me a brand new CD player, boombox, for my tenth birthday, 10th or 11th birthday. And he's like, I want to play you across the universe. And that was really the first Beatles song that really just became. It still is my favorite Beatles song to this day. You and Mike actually recorded and the cover uh, of that, that years yeah, ago. Yeah, we did. We did many, many years ago. I remember that man in your, in your <laughs> basement at uh, over in Jaffrey at your folks' place. I would shudder to hear. I wish I could. I wish hearing, I had. It.
2: I'm glad that it is, has not survived.
1: It had a lot of soul, but but that song is is uh, just so special and important to me, and, and um, is still my favorite Beatles song. And that was a moment when I was a 10, 11-year-old boy and my dad played it for me and just uh, thinking about it, man. It gives you the chills, you know. It's incredible.
2: I, I just feel like uh, that's one of the great things we can do from generation to generation. And that's how the oral tradition really of, of to, to, I mean, to put it on such high highfalutin terms, the whole oral tradition of our people comes down through, through the music that we share generationally. And I think that's a huge gift.
1: It really is. Yeah, and everyone's got a favorite band or a favorite uh, musician or piece of music, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as a go-to. And uh, even people who are maybe are not musicians or who are not, uh, don't think about music as much as maybe we do. I mean, music's with me every day in my life. I mean, if I didn't have it, it's like, you know, might as well, might as well give up. But um, do we want to have Mike play one more Soon on, yeah, maybe if you on want that to. Other the other, b- before you do, Mike, tell everybody where pe- everyone can go to find your music and, and support you, and share your art, and, and get a hold of you.
2: Well, yeah, thank you for the chance for that plug. Um, so, and just thanks, guys, for having me here on your show. Oh, yeah,
1: it's been great, man. So
2: awesome people can to have you here. <laughs> well, I, 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 to come back to. Come back to my hometown and get to hang with some cats I've known for a decade and a half and uh, it means a great deal to me. People can find my music at mikemccarthymusic.com and that's McCarthy, M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y, mikemccarthymusic.com. You can find links to purchase my last album as well as uh, the new album, Migrant, which is coming out this week. Um, So this song I'm about to play for you is a a number from that album. Mm
0: seen you around hanging on the bridge by the river downtown in living rooms and burial grounds I know you, I've seen you around Shame, shame that's my name I'll burn your sunshine and drown your rain I'm your papa's pride and your Hopper in the laundry bottle. Green grasshopper in the laundry bin. Green grasshopper in.
1: Mike that was beautiful man awesome so awesome to have you on our podcast um I don't know if you mentioned before we went to high school with Mike he was a couple years older than us and uh was one of my heroes musically in high school still is today so good newspaper oh yeah no just you know one of the older kids that I looked up to and it's uh it's really cool man to to be here with you all these years later and uh having you on my
3: podcast means
2: a great deal to me as well and then uh you guys have always been real believers in uh, in music and community and keeping that real here uh, in, in Manadnock region. And I'll tell you, I'm a migrant now, but I'm come home one of these
1: days. <laughs> awesome to have you back for this spell, Mike. And Harlow's is going to be a great time. And uh, thank you so much for coming on Jackman Radio. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers to Mike McCarthy. Continued success in 2016. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much. 2015 was a blast. Uh, We got this thing off the ground, 31 episodes. And 2016, you can expect a lot more coming up from Jackman Radio. So thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you and your family.